0: Greetings, folks. Welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast series, where we think spatially about the Earth, all that is in it, and beyond. Joseph Kursky here with you, geographer and educator. Welcome. Today's episode is going to be about my 10 favorite web mapping applications. Web mapping applications. Let's talk about what those are and why they matter. First of all, Geographic Information Systems is all about what's where, why is it there, and why should we care. Geographic Information Systems is more than mapping, it's about analyzing, it's about understanding the world as it is now, and planning for a healthier, more sustainable, happier future. So understanding what it is like now and planning for a better future. That is the essence of Geographic Information Systems. Now, geographic information systems has not only survived major trends in IT, information technology, mainframes to mini computers, mini computers to workstations, workstations to mobile devices in the cloud. I would argue that it has thrived because of those changes. And the manifestation of web based geographic information systems changes everything, folks. It enables people to not only find the nearest library or the nearest coffee shop in their own neighborhood or halfway across the world, or enables your packages to be delivered to your home or apartment this afternoon. It is behind everything in modern societies. What you had to eat yesterday, how that food got delivered to your store, how your phone or the computer that you're listening to this on Uh, was assembled. So, supply chain management, the electricity that is powering those devices, the clothes that you wear and how those were gathered and assembled and manufactured and distributed and advertised, etc. All of that and much more, health systems, transportation, energy, water, and everything else that has a location, which is basically everything that we are talking about today, is powered by Geographic Information Systems Technology, or Geo-Technology, or Location Analytics, which are many names for the same thing. GIS is somewhat like an elevator. You get on, and you don't really think about an elevator, right? You get on that thing, and you push buttons, and you expect something to happen. In other words, you expect that elevator car to move up or down. That's sort of how Geographic Information Systems is. It is operating behind the scenes, enabling a smarter planet and smarter communities and smart cities. That is really what it is all about. Now, germane to our topic today about my favorite web mapping applications, these are all cloud-based because of and as a result of the development of geographic information systems and specifically its evolution into a cloud-based environment. Now, it's great when you have your music online, isn't it? Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Amazon Music, etc. That way you can listen to it on any device at any time. So you can get your ABBA's greatest hits anytime, anywhere. By the way, ABBA was a band. The point is, it's great to have your music online. It's also great if you're working on an article with someone to have documents online, your images for your chapter or your article, your the text itself, your tables of data, etc. It's great to have Google Drive, Dropbox, OneDrive and other tools that allow you to edit documents without having to email them or put them on physical media as we did in the not too distant past. That's fantastic. I would argue that it's even better to have GIS up in the cloud, the data, the tools, the models that we can share. And the reason why is because the problems that we are confronted with on our planet, water, energy, human health, natural hazards, population change, biodiversity loss, ocean acidification, and much more, climate, uh, and the list could go on. They're all several things. They're all interdisciplinary in nature. They're not just economics and geography uh, or, or environmental science or geology or health or engineering. They're all those things and much more. They, they transcend disciplinary boundaries. Also, they transcend political boundaries. They're not just one city, one state, one county, one country. They transcend all those political boundaries. And they also, <clears throat> they also transcend physical boundaries. They're not just one watershed or one ecoregion. They transcend physical boundaries as well. And so to be able to collaborate and solve these vexing, complex problems and issues that increasingly affect our everyday lives, we need GIS in the cloud. And a manifestation of that is web mapping applications. Web mapping applications are built on this GIS in the cloud software as a service infrastructure. The 10 favorite web mapping applications is not just my own dreamed up list. It's actually ones that I've used time after time in education in all levels of education, from primary to secondary to community, technical, tribal colleges, to universities, to libraries, museums, lifelong learning, after-school clubs, and much more. So I've used these and tested these in many different settings, with positive reaction in all kinds of disciplines and with all kinds of students worldwide. I've been doing this in many countries for many years. I submit these to you, not just as my own list, but for you to actually go out and try these Ideally, while you're listening to this podcast, but if you're in a situation where you're not at a computer and you can't actually try these things, well, then please, you know, fast forward and and go to certain segments or maybe jot a list down or jot a note on your phone or whatever you're doing. But I invite you to actually dig into these. Mapping and geographic information systems technologies are very visual, and so you won't appreciate these fully in a podcast. It's great that we have podcasts, but you won't appreciate these Fully and more richly until you actually do these yourself. That's the power, by the way, that maps have always had. From the days of etching onto clay tablets and stone, in dirt, in uh, wood on wood blocks, on metal. Uh, more recently, in film and then in the dig- digital world, maps have always been very compelling and interesting to for people. It's very seldom that you find someone that hates maps. Right? They're very engaging. They they give a lot of information in a short amount of space. So. I invite you to dig into these web mapping applications. They're applications that do not require any login. You can use them these in every any browser, any device, anytime, anywhere, on tablets, laptops, even somewhat on phones, although you'll be a little, little limited on a phone just because maps require a little bit more uh, real estate, if you know what I mean, XY uh, uh, distance, Then you typically get on, a, on a, a small phone anyway. A larger phone might be okay but I encourage you to try these. The first one is called The Wayback Imagery. So do a search on the web for ESRI, E-S-R-I, Wayback Imagery, W-A-Y-B-A-C-K. The Wayback Imagery is a set of about seven years worth at the time of this podcast, satellite imagery from everywhere on the planet. So it's a compilation of sources that we, my organization, ESRI, compiles from public and private organizations all around the world. It's high resolution. In many cases, sub-meter. Okay? So you can actually look at your neighborhood, your place of work, your school, your university, uh, where you grew up, your grandmother's house, etc. in high resolution. And as I mentioned, the name way back implies time. right? So you get seven years worth of imagery. In mid-2020, We added a swipe tool, so you can put the year that you want to examine on the left and a year that you want to examine on the right. So let's say I'm looking at 2014 versus 2020 of my own neighborhood or my university or my workplace. I can do it. With a few clicks, you are there. So you are browsing on the left and on the right of this swipe tool, sort of like a big squeegee. You've probably seen these on maps in the past. And on the left and on the right, you've got different imagery. Um, but the same location. And as you pan the map and as you zoom in and zoom out on the left, the right side changes along with you. So, as an educator, if you're one of those, like I am, think of the possibilities. If you're not an educator, no worries. You can still learn about the planet. But if you're an educator, you can teach about the planet. You can learn and teach about the following. Coastal erosion in England and elsewhere. Development of agriculture in the Midwest USA or in Saudi Arabia. Construction of major dams and reservoirs like the Three Gorges Dam in China. Volcanic eruptions like Kilauea, Mount St. Helens, and others. The aftermath of tsunamis or earthquakes or floods in various parts of the world. Urbanization. You can see how cities have expanded. And even at the neighborhood level, you can see, oh, that's that new building over on campus. It came uh, in and here it was under construction here it was finished. So looking at physical and natural changes on the landscape. From these and other phenomena are just at your fingertips is absolutely astounding. And in addition, and I'll leave you with this: in the upper left, you can actually save the maps that the images that you've that you've created that you're examining, and you can move those into ArcGIS Online. Why would you want to do that? Well, then you can add other layers like eco regions or population uh, density or uh, land use or other layers, weather, climate, etc., on top of your historical and current satellite imagery. So it's a very powerful just level one, like I've mostly described here, and then level two bringing them into ArcGIS Online for further analysis. And you can also bring those layers then into ArcGIS Pro where you've got all kinds of spatial analytical tools at your fingertips. So that is the way back imagery. The second one I'd like to explore with you is, has that name, Explorer. Explorer, specifically. It's called the Landsat Explorer App, L-A-N-D-S-A-T. Now Landsat has been around since 1973-ish, and so for almost uh, 50 years now, we have had continuously operating sets of Landsat satellites. And these satellites are totally dedicated to imaging the Earth, and they do so in multiple wavelengths, color infrared, visible, and more. Through different wavelengths in the electromagnetic spectrum, we can see different things, like the detection of ore bodies underneath the ground, or uh, healthy vegetation versus vegetation that has been decimated by, let's say, pine beetles or other invasive species. So with the Landsat Explorer app, you can look at Landsat imagery, so not as fine of a resolution as the Wayback imagery, but with about 15 or 30 meter, and the older ones are 60 meter resolution, you can look at regional, the regional health of the Earth, basically, human and natural um, features. You can also look at change over time, like I said. So in this case, the Wayback imagery was about seven years worth of data. The Landsat Explorer is almost 50 years worth of data. So you've got all kinds of historical and current satellite imagery at your fingertips. Now in the not too distant past, Getting satellite imagery from Landsat, you had to get it on magnetic tape and CD-ROM and DVDs and all kinds of physical media. And nowadays, with the Landsat Explorer app, you've got at your fingertips, again, 50 years of the entire Earth. You can look at mountains, ice sheets, oceans, coastlines, urban areas, tropical rainforests, grasslands, all sorts of biomes and ecoregions, as well as human uh, conurbations like cities and and, uh, towns. So the point is, you've got an amazing set of data at your fingertips, again, in multiple wavelengths in the electromagnetic spectrum, with a swipe tool that you can actually use. And you can query the left side and the right side of the swipe tool to examine, hey, I want to look at 1985 versus 2005 in my community. So for example, you can look at the before and after Mount St. Helens. You can look at the shrinkage, sadly, of the Aral Sea and Lake Chad. You can look at uh, the development of Abu Dhabi and all those other cities along the, uh, the coast of the UAE, and much more, glacial retreat and expansion, uh, etc. Okay, so Landsat Explorer. Do a search on Landsat Explorer ESRI ESRI app, and you'll find it. Again, no login required, but if you log in, you can actually save those images and move them into a geographic information system like ArcGIS Online and ArcGIS Pro. The number three one I want to uh, explain to you in my 10 favorite web mapping applications is the Landsat lens. So again, Landsat data, but this is more of a a great teaching tool. Um, With the Landsat lens, as the name implies, you get little lenses, little, little images on your screen that you can enlarge or reduce in size. And again, you've got a host of different bands of the electromagnetic spectrum, and also different years going back to the 1970s. So you've got, again, a long period of time and multiple wavelengths in the spectrum to look at physical and cultural changes on our landscape. Great teaching tool especially. The Landsat Explorer is also a great teaching tool, but it's more on a research side. The Landsat lens has a few bells and whistles that allow you to easily explore this as a teaching tool. And Both of these tools, the Landsat Explorer and the Landsat Lens, have help files that tell you what is, if you're looking at color infrared, what are you seeing. The fourth in my web mapping applications best of list is the USGS ESRI Topographic Map Explorer. Now I used to work at USGS and I work at ESRI now, so it combines two of my favorite organizations in one web mapping application. For those of you that love looking at change over space and time, and I assume you do, because otherwise you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. But the USGS Landsat, or the USGS topographic explorer with ESRI does the following. It lets you look at topographic maps from the USGS. Now, unlike the first three tools that I explored with you today, the Wayback Imagery, the Landsat Explorer, and the Landsat Lens, the USGS is only USA. It's the U.S. Geological Survey. So these topographic maps are only the USA. However, the awesome thing about it is that they this tool allows you to explore thousands and thousands of topographic maps. Now many of you, probably like me, have loads of topographic maps. They're big sheets and they take up a lot of room in your house or your apartment, right? Here you've got tens and upon tens of thousands of topographic maps, 1 to 100,000 scale, 1 to 63, 1 to 48,000, 1 to 24,000, the most commonly used scale, at your fingertips. When you open it, you can click on different areas again of the USA, and you get a timeline underneath the topographic map. And in the timeline, you have the ability to add historical topographic maps, let's say of New Orleans in 1910, or Manhattan, you know, New York in 1950, etc. And compare those against newer maps or older maps. And you get a nice set of tools, including a transparency tool, where you can slide it and swipe it back and forth to see, okay, now I can see the change from 1950 to 1970 in this community. It could be your own community, and much more. So again, looking at physical and human-built changes on the landscape through these topographic maps, which are very detailed maps, is really powerful, really powerful. You can also, as you might expect, export those maps into a geographic information system. So again, you can take those maps and take them into ArcGIS Online or ArcGIS Pro for further analysis. So that's the USGS ESRI Topographic Map Explorer. Just do a search on those terms and you'll find it. It's a wonderful tool. I can't say enough about it. It's like having these drawerfuls of topographic maps just all of a sudden in this web mapping application at your fingertips. And you don't have to store this stuff. They don't get wrinkly and dog-eared and so on and so forth. The fifth one that I'd like to explore with you briefly is called the Living Atlas Water Balance. Now, the Living Atlas of the world warrants its own podcast. It has 8,500 layers in it, maps, and also a small number, as we'll explore here, applications. And it is a curated set of imagery and maps on all kinds of different topics from public safety to watersheds and ecoregions, population, energy, hydrology, and much more, geologic geologic maps, and much more. But here is a water balance app. What it does is it has about six different variables. Soil, moisture, as the name implies, they're all about water. Precipitation, snowpack, and a few others. Evapotranspiration, so on. You click on this interactive web map in the living atlas water balance and anywhere you you click you get the water balance on that particular one of six variables displayed as a graph underneath the map so you can look at back in time 10 or 15 years worth of precipitation for anywhere on the planet that you click up until a few months ago so it's not real time but it's near real-time data so this is a good illustration in my way of thinking of the internet of things and how it feeds data into web maps which is a very powerful thing that's transforming mapping in general having real-time data that's what people want wildfire perimeters traffic stream gauging stations and here the water balance at my fingertips displayed in a map so i can make smart decisions about uh, whatever i'm concerned about so the living atlas water balance click on the amazon for example you'll see the summer not summer and winter you'll see the wet season and dry season click on southern libya you'll see hey there are certain months of the year there's no precipitation there why is that okay so what about my own region of the world? Click on my own region of the world. Has the precipitation increased over the last few years or decreased or stayed about the same? So that's the Living Atlas water balance. Fascinating. And you can also export the tables of data that you obtain from this Internet of Things Fed web mapping application. It's one of many water it is one of many web mapping applications from the Living Atlas, and I'm going to highlight a few of them um, here in this podcast. But stay tuned, for, because for right now we're going to go to our sixth one, which is the topographic profile tool. Now this is a web mapping application that's built on ArcGIS Online, which almost all of the, the things that I'm talking to you about today are based on ArcGIS Online from ESRI. The topographic profile tool, as the name implies, it gives you a map of the world, and you can zoom and pan on it. And so at different scales, you can draw lines across the terrain and get an instant profile a cross-section of that terrain. So draw from, you know, north coast of France to southern Italy. You'll see the Alps, you'll see the Pennines, you'll see all kinds of valleys and ridges and so on. You've got a nice scale at the uh, with the topographic profile that results, but it's a great research and teaching tool for looking at elevation. You know, oftentimes people don't understand how to interpret a topographic map, but if you draw that profile it's immediately understood. And imagine doing things like panning across and drawing a line across the Great Basin in the western USA, or across the Appalachian Mountains, or across uh, Antarctica, you know, what's the elevation like there? Or across uh, the Himalayas, and including, you know, go, going down to the Ganges in India, and, and drawing a line across Siberia, what's the elevation like there? It's just And since you can zoom, you can draw a very detailed profile of your own river valley where you live, or your own, you know, hills and mountains around where you are, and so on. It's just a fascinating tool to be able to do this. So that's the Topographic Profile Tool. Do a search on ESRI ArcGIS Topographic Profile Tool and you'll find it. Number seven is the Cool Maps Migration. Now why do I say Cool Maps? All maps are cool aren't they? Well in some some ways, but there's a specific gallery of maps called the Cool Maps Gallery from ESRI. And my colleagues at ESRI have compiled this. It changes a bit over time but it's a compilation of about 10 or 15 maps from any, uh, um, at any one time. And the migration map web mapping application inside the Cool Maps gallery is one of my favorites. So you've got five, no wait, four different time periods in the Cool Maps migration web mapping application. According to the UN Department of Economic and Social Affairs, the incoming and outgoing migration for each country that you choose from a drop down list over time. Wow. So you can see what's the incoming and outgoing for Australia or Austria or Mong- Mongolia or Somalia. And why, does the, why do the numbers change, the, the raw numbers, but also the pattern of the incoming and outgoing? Who, who sends people to Kenya? Where does Kenya send people to? You know, who, who migrates to Kenya? Who, who migrates from Kenya? And ditto for any other country in the list around the world. So again, be critical of the data, just like all these tools. Know where the data came from, knowing the limitations of that UN Department of Economic and Social Affairs data. However, it is an amazing tool. The tool also, I like I like it for several additional reasons. Number one, the, the countries are using the dark gray base map and the migration is shown as a bright orange line to and from countries. So you really focus on the migration. It's a very cartographically pleasing map and very effectively done. You can also ex- um, explore it in 2D and 3D. So 3D as a as a virtual globe and 2D as a map. So the Cool Maps migration tool. Look at coolmaps.esri.com and then tab over until you see the migration one. Or just do a search on Cool Maps Esri migration web mapping application and you'll find it. That's my number seven in my list of favorite web mapping applications. Number eight in this list is a, is a family of maps, actually, but I'm, a, I'm going to highlight a few of them. And that is story maps. Now, story maps are useful in two major ways. You can explore existing story maps, but also, which is the topic of a separate set of essays of mine, uh, you can create your own story maps. Yeah, on topics that you care about. For this podcast, we're going to look at existing story maps. And in particular, just a few that I want to highlight here. So storymaps.arcgis.com, or just do a search on Esri Story Maps or ArcGIS, A-R-C-G-I-S Story Maps, and you'll find the galleries. Now, there are over a million and a half story maps in existence, so I'm not going to be able to go into all of these. But the point is, why are there so many? Well, our story maps team creates some of them. I create some of them. But more importantly, you all and the user community around the world create these story maps. One I wanted to highlight is actually one that I and a colleague created called the Lakota Language Story Map. We compiled, thanks to my colleague speaking Lakota, a short list of audio audio files. So you click on Lake and my colleague says Ble. You click on Boundary and he says Oikago. So you have the English word and the Lakota word for a handful, about 15 or so, landforms. Why did we do this? We wanted to show a couple things. Number one, we wanted to show that audio is a very powerful technique inside story maps. And number two, that it's easy to incorporate audio. And number three, we wanted to draw attention to the fact that many of these native languages are endangered, right? A lot of the uh, native speakers are advancing in years. And so if those languages aren't taught to the younger generations, that language is in danger of dying out. And so we wanted to highlight the the, the grave nature of The the serious possibility that these languages will disappear someday. So we wanted to make sure that people are using native terms and thinking of, okay, if we planted this seed of this Lakota language map and that is about landforms, much more could you do, right? You could have whole tribal elders and native speakers talking about uh, tribal sacred sites or migration or uh, history and uh, uh, culture and hydrology and landforms and all kinds of other things. So you can really use uh, audio in effective ways. Along those same lines is another story map I wanted to highlight called Sounds of Planet Earth. In this map, I created this map, it has a hundred sounds with quizzes in it. So you can see, you can click on a, a sound and is that rustling leaves or is that the ocean on a shore? Indicate what you think the answer is. So I have a hundred sounds in there ranging from markets in the, in, uh, in the Medina in Tunis to, uh, again, walking through leaves to, to barges on rivers. So they're both human sounds and uh, sounds in nature. Wonderful. Do a search on Sounds of Planet Earth Story Map and you'll find it. You'll also find an essay explaining exactly how I made that map. Another one of my favorite story maps is one that goes back a few years, but it, is, it was one of the first story maps created, but it's I think one of the most powerful, and that's the story map on the Titanic and its voyage. There are several reasons why I love that map. Number one, you get a sense, a grim sense, of, of showing a pie, gra- a pie chart of first class, second class, third class, and your, your odds of survival depending on which class you were in on the ship. It also, since it's tied to a GIS, shows you the pattern of where the passengers came from. And contrary to maybe what a lot of people thought, and this is one of the reasons why I love maps, sometimes it shatters our preconceived notion of how planet Earth should work, but it it shows the distribution of people that were on that ship. Sure, from the UK and the USA and Ireland, but also from Scandinavia, from Lebanon, from uh, India, from Australia and uh, Southeast Europe as well. So you can also, since it's tied to a GIS, and this is a bit grim, but it shows the geodatabase nature of GIS, you can click on individuals and where they were born and then find out if they lived or died. So it has a database behind it. It also has a, as you would expect, an oceans base map, and it shows the route of the ship and exactly where it's sunk. That's a Titanic story map. I invite you to check that out. And last story map I wanted to highlight is a fairly new one. came out in late 2020 on tropical cyclones. So through a series of multimedia, which is what all story maps are powered on and why they are so compelling to consume and also to create, through a series of graphs, images, historical and current, maps, satellite imagery, and so on, You get a real sense for tropical cyclones, not just hurricanes of the USA, but also tropical cyclones uh, in Central America and also in Southeast Asia. So just do a search on tropical cyclones story map and you'll find it. Number nine in my list of 10 favorite web mapping applications, the Urban Observatory. Richard Saul Werman, the creator of the TED Talks, and Jack Dangerman, president of ESRI, got together and said, you know, we need a tool that allows people to to explore urban areas with a common interface. So the Urban Observatory web mapping application is a list of about 100 cities at the current time and about 60 variables. Weather commuting patterns, land use, senior population, youth population, and other variables. So you can, in this web mapping application, choose three cities and choose the variable, and then as you pan the map in one city, the other two pan at relatively the same scale and with the same variable. So you can compare Tokyo to Accra to Mobile, Alabama, etc. So the Urban Observatory, it actually started as a physical... Observatory, an exhibit that was hosted at the Esri User Conference some years ago, but of course its power is in the digital world because anybody can access it. Again, without any login required, the Urban Observatory. Check that out, do a search on Urban Observatory web mapping application and you'll find it. There's also a lot of metadata explaining what these variables are and how they were compiled and how often they are updated. Very powerful teaching and research tool, the Urban Observatory. And tenth, and finally, of my favorite web mapping applications and the ones I have found most useful in teaching and learning over the years, is the Living Atlas SDG Sustainable Development Goals Indicators of the Planet. Now, this touches on several things. First of all, I mentioned the Living Atlas before. It's a list of, it's a, it's a database, it's a library of 8,500 data layers that are curated and updated and and uh, rich with metadata and rich in possibilities and uh, interactive and so on. Created by thousands of agencies, uh, scientific and other agencies all over the world. The SDG, the Sustainable Development Goals, are noble goals about economics, uh, education, water, health, etc. that you probably are familiar with. If not, I highly encourage you to do so. But the Indicators of the Planet, it is a tile, set of tiles, and in each one it gives you a sort of gauge on how are we doing with water quality, how are we doing with education, how are we doing with natural hazards. Uh, with, um, with poverty and other uh, indicators. So the Living Atlas SDG indicators. It's sort of like the world population clock that me- you may have seen online, only this has indicators on about 30 variables. And how is this actually generated? Well, again, through the power of web geog- geographic information systems, technologies, and um, real-time feeds through something called a dashboard. Now, Probably everybody on the planet with a computer is familiar with a dashboard because in 2020, billions, literally billions of people looked at the Johns Hopkins University JHU coronavirus dashboard. And so this Living Atlas SDG indicators, which you could do a search on and find, um, indicates, as the name implies, a through a series of tiles... It's a dashboard. It's a one-screen dashboard with loads of information. Can you imagine scientists in centuries past having this sort of living atlas SDG indicators of the planet? Wow. Now again, be critical of the data and know that there is metadata on each one of these so you can uh, look at who compiled the information, where it comes from, and uh, how often it's updated and so on. But It's a powerful, powerful tool, the living atlas SDGs, indicators of the planet. There are a couple of organizations that host this Living Atlas uh, SDG Indicators, and one of them is called the SDG's Today. Here it is, sdgtoday.org. There's a longer URL when it actually comes up, but it is a dashboard served through another tool called the Experience Builder from ESRI, which you can actually use to build your own configurable uh, dashboard-like things like this. So sdgstoday.org, and it'll pull up a longer URL, but that's the best way to find it. And again, powerful, learners impacted by COVID, food insecure population, fiscal response, global wealth, poor air quality emissions, and much, much more. So I would highly encourage you to take a look at this. It's really fascinating and uh, very important for the future of our planet. So that is uh, my favorite And most useful web mapping applications. Number one, the Wayback Imagery. I feel like this is like Wayback, you know, the web mapping applications' greatest hits. Number one, Wayback Imagery. Number two, Landsat Explorer. Number three, Landsat Lens. Number four, USGS Esri Topographic Map Explorer. Number five, Living Atlas Water Balance. Number six, Topographic Profile Tool. Number seven, Cool Maps Migration tool. Number eight, story maps. I highlighted the Lakota language, the Titanic, the sounds of planet Earth, and the tropical cyclone story maps, but I invite you to look at more. Number nine, the urban observatory, and number ten, the living atlas. SDG indicators of the planet. Again, folks, it's great to hear about these, but it's much better to actually do it, so um, I invite you to explore these on your own, preferably soon after you listen to this podcast. Keep on mapping, and I wish you all a very spatial day. Thanks! (laughs)